Chapter six, part three, section two of a defense of idealism by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter six, the new realism, part three, section two. We must now consider the realist doctrine of universals when it will be evident that there was good reason for taking his theory of sense perception first from their place in the logical programme of realism it might be supposed that the theory of sense perception followed from the doctrine of universals as the doctrine of universals followed from the atomistic logic but the consequences are the other way about thus in the chapter on the world of universals in mr bertrand russell's problems of philosophy you find the theory of sense perception relied on to support the theory of the independent existence of a relation which is a universal it is true that realism finds its universals and does not create them it is also true that if its universals did not exist it would have had to invent them without them its theory of sense perception will not hang together for a moment for assume a consciousness that brings no bridges with it whose sole business is to find and to constater there can be no logical passage from one atom of reality to another perception of outside reals cries aloud for conception of outside reals in order to make both memory associations and judgments possible so the one is used to bolster up the other to constater is impossible without concepts and concepts must be universals in order to ensure that the reality perceived at this moment and in this space is the same reality which was perceived the moment before or at any period of time before or in another space supposing it to have changed its position the universal therefore must be out of time and out of space it is that which has the same meaning in all contexts in which it occurs universals thus serve as standards or tests of the identity of reals they are plato's patterns laid up in heaven now i think idealism ought to acknowledge that it has no grounds for quarrelling with the new realism here it ought rather to be grateful to it for restoring universals to their ancient place of freedom and purity and splendour there is something about a universal that has always provoked the derision of the playful empiricist bishop berkeley thought there was something downright funny about a triangle there was neither oblique nor rectangle nor equilateral nor equicrural nor scalinon but all and none of these at once but it remained for m anatole france to extract the full delicious flavour of its humour according to the fallen angel nectaire in his discourse on the historical universal of bossuet there were only two schools of schoolmen one camp argued that before there were apples there was apple before there were parrots there was parrot before there were lecherous and greedy monks there was the monk the glutton and lecher before there were feet and bottoms in this world the kick in the bottom resided eternally in the bosom of god the other camp replied that on the contrary the kick in the bottom only existed after having been duly given and received now the new realism certainly saves its universals from this ridiculous predicament there can be no question of a kick in the ribs dwelling to all eternity in the bosom of the absolute because for the new realist there is no absolute and no bosom the universal kick in the ribs is itself an absolute 
and of its dwelling nothing can be said but that it is not in consciousness and not in space or time and of universals out of their context nothing can be said but that they are realities but observe that the peculiar outsideness of their reality their independence of consciousness hangs even more on the realist theory of perception than his theory of perception hangs on it concepts that is to say have been brought into line with percepts like percepts they are realities over against consciousness on the theory consciousness is simply confronted with them and in their presence it ought to be able to do nothing but stare at them in constantaire and each constatation is a recognition so that in order to constater it has need of another universal confronted with which it can do no more than recognize and constater and so on in as beautiful and infinite regress as ever delighted the heart of mr bradley there is only one way in which to arrest that infinite regress at the start and make the universals do the logical work required of them and that is not to drag them down from their high place in heaven but to recognize that their heaven the eternal kingdom of these blessed ones is within that they are as idealism should have always held them to be the work of thought they are none the less august and none the less real on that account it is thought that is exalted and not they that are abased the new realism has revived a realism very old older than scholasticism it will have none of aristotle's development of the platonic philosophy it refuses to admit that when aristotle objected that the a d were aesthita aedia eternalized sense data he was playing plato's game for him it will not see that when he said ideas are not idle they have hands and feet he was again playing plato's game and playing it better getting a move on to the ideas so as to make them do the twofold work required of them the work of logic and reality and consider what happened later after scholastic realism nominalism the inevitable reaction after nominalism conceptualism the forerunner of modern idealism it is just possible that history may repeat itself and that after the new realism of the twentieth century but i am reminded that our realism is in a very different case it is so securely based on a mathematical discovery unknown to aristotle unknown to the scholastics unknown to the idealists of the eighteenth and nineteenth centuries that it defies avenging time it follows or should follow in one unbroken logical sequence from cantor's discovery of the behaviour of the infinite through the desired proof of the continuity of space and time resolving their antinomies it is thus linked up with the physical sciences it has continued to do what vitalism vainly attempted faire tomber l'insurmontable barrière and rejoindre la science Lejoindre la science to join hands with science physical science that has always looked askance at it that will have none of its thinness that between its idealisms has always been philosophy's passion and its dream the passion and the dream which have produced materialism and agnosticism psychophysical parallelism and the naif empiricisms and realisms you would suppose then that the space and time it receives from the mathematician purged of all the contradictions and dilemmas of discreteness would have something in common with the space in which extension occurs and the time in which things happen 
for the truth of realism hangs in the last resort on the mathematical solution of the contradictions and dilemmas of space and time realists are never tired of reminding us that we have now got a continuous space and time to work with and that idealists cannot any longer insist on the impossibility of the passage from point to point and from instant to instant for as we have seen in infinite space there are no next points and in infinite time there are no next instants and consequently no gaps from an infinite series any number of members can be taken and to an infinite series any number can be added without either diminishing or increasing it does it not follow then that a finite series is not in any sense part of an infinite series this is a question for mathematicians and for all i know it may be either so obvious or so irrelevant that no mathematician would dream of asking it therefore i suggest it with the utmost diffidence and some misgiving it does seem to me to follow not only from cantor's law but from the definition of part and whole combined with the axiom that there are no infinite wholes from the impossibility of arguing from finite to infinite from the realist's assumption of the absoluteness of space and time and the plurality of absolute spaces and of times and from the atomistic theory of the intransigent and mutually repellent character of absolute entities and if it follows the bearings on our problem would be very relevant indeed for consider pure space and pure time are continuous in the sense that between any two points and any two instants there is an infinite number of points and of instants nor is there any other sense in which they could be continuous so that in an infinite series there are no two consecutive points or instants now between any two points is surely just as much a relation of finites as is the relation of two consecutive points and as such it has no business in an infinite series so that you cannot speak of an infinite number occurring between any two points and from this it would seem to follow that an infinite series is not a series at all and that there can be no infinite order of any sort yet though a point has no magnitude it has or should have position but how can it have position in a series or any other order that isn't a series or any other order where that is to say there are no positions that do not presuppose the space they are said to constitute so that we are back again in the dilemma of the infinite regress if you say that the point that has position is the euclidean point and that the points in question do not have positions but that they are positions i do not see that that helps you out of the difficulty for if points cannot have positions where there are no positions to have neither can they be positions where positions cannot be the contradiction is simply shifted from the discrete or consecutive continuity to the pointless point or positionless position again a point on any definition has no magnitude therefore it is indivisible therefore between any two points or any two instants will mean between any two indivisibles and between any two indivisibles there must be some hiatus which perhaps we cannot call spatial or temporal since space and time are continuous but which must surely be held to exist so that in space composed of an infinite number of points there must be an infinite number of non-spatial gaps and the same will hold good of time and if this isn't discreteness i do not know what is it is also by the axiom continuity it must be so if these points and these instants are neither to overlap or coalesce 
or otherwise behave like magnitudes and again any two indivisibles thus separated will be finite so that in the infinite two fine and flourishing contradictions have broken out making six in all one the contradiction of the infinite regress two the contradiction of the non-serial series three the contradiction of the positionless position four the contradiction of the non-spatial spaces and non-temporal times already considered five the contradiction of discrete continuity and six the contradiction of the finite infinite contradictions which are only to be avoided by dilemmas lastly on this system perception of the world of becoming is an act of reporting divisible into an infinite series of reports corresponding to the infinite series of moments constituting the process of change each atom in the moving show of becoming is an absolute entity reported as such it follows there can be no justifiable anticipation of events no reason why of the connections and sequences reported one should obtain rather than another i have not seen any refutation of mr bertrand russell's mathematical metaphysics and i can only dimly imagine the lines it would be likely to take but i think my idealistic monist with his back against the wall might put up some such defence as this if my monist is right he is better furnished with dilemmas now than ever he was under his own ontological scheme for if motion was a contradiction on the old theory of the infinitely discrete rest is a contradiction on the new theory of the continuous infinite for with this sort of continuity you can indeed go on but you can never never stop positionless position affords no rest for either achilles or the tortoise and with discrete continuity there can be neither motion nor rest what could an idealistic monist wish for more and when it comes to finite space his hope does not fail him what about the mile-long line that contains no more points than the inch-long line the thousandth part of the inch-long line that contains no fewer points than a thousand mile-long line both indeed containing an infinite number it looks as if the finite contained infinity but no that would be too good to be true the monist does not really want that seventh contradiction his cup is already fairly running over now it may be said that even supposing these contradictions and dilemmas were genuine and not solvable by cantor's law non-mathematical monists have no right to assume that they cannot be solved by mathematics in some way probably by calculations involving the fourth dimension but as the new mathematical logic does not stop at four but provides an infinite number of dimensions the monist may not unreasonably hope to reap a second crop of contradictions and dilemmas from these for the series of the dimensions is apparently obtained by every term in the series of one dimension itself giving birth to a series every term of which again gives birth to another series and so on forever and ever a new dimension being generated with each series but the whole process of generation has its rise in the series of one dimension in which my monist was supposed to find his six fine contradictions each series therefore will bear within it some taint of the original infection and in any case if no finite number of points is any part of an infinite series of points mathematical logic itself apparently gives him the right to stick to it that no finite number of dimensions as might be three can be any part of an infinite series or order or arrangement or collection of dimensions 
so that three-dimensional space will be no part of infinitely dimensional space thus from the very start he can catch sight of his contradictions of the non-serial series the non-ordered order the non-collective collection with the dilemma of the finite infinite and on the far horizon of dilemmas on all fours with his positionless positions the non-dimensional dimension but suppose my monist does not reap his second crop of contradictions or his first crop either suppose he really has no business to insist that between any two points in any series is a relation of finites suppose there are grave mathematical reasons as for all i know there very well may be why between any two points in an infinite series is to be held contrary to all apparent reason as a relation of infinites without begging the question of the series and its infinity suppose there is no mathematical sense in which the discreteness he discovers is to be thought of and that his harvest fails in consequence is he therefore obliged to abjure his monism and his idealism remember the unique raison d'etre of his strange passion for contradictions and dilemmas he does not wallow in contradiction for contradiction's sake out of sheer perversity he desires that the contradiction may be solved therefore he flies to his infinite and absolute in spite of hegel and mr bradley he must have wondered how in the world it was going to perform its conjuring trick well if the higher mathematics really do all that they are said to do they will have shown him how das unbeschreibliche hier es getan they may pile universe on universe and multiply infinities by infinity on their own showing an impossible operation he will hold to his monism maintaining as i think he has every right to maintain that these purely mathematical operations have every mark and sign of ideality of being the work of thought of some sort of a god who geometrizes eternally if the constructions are infinite in number from the sheer monotony of the mathematical obsession he gathers that their constructor their builder and maker is one when pragmatists have twitted him with the thinness and poorness of his ultimate principle he may have wondered how thought could be infinite and absolute now it has been proved to him that it is so if challenged to show how the foundations of a material universe can be immaterial he has only to refer his opponent to mr bertrand russell's principia mathematica above all he profits by the realist's happy thought of rehabilitating universals for these primordial entities whose serious and indubitable reality mathematical logic compels him to believe in on whose reality the material universe depends are immaterial he has only got to fetch them in from outside to prove that the unseen reality of every mortal and material thing is immaterial and immortal having its habitation out of space out of time not out of thought for its presence there is the ground of all thinking the reason why things are recognized and known really universals are a priceless hole for the idealist for they justify his distinction between appearance and reality if realists will revive plato they must abide by the consequences of his resurrection and when you have said that they are spaceless and timeless formless and immaterial they remain delightfully undefined and undefinable the least that can be said of them is that they are immaterial the most that can be said of them is that they endure for the new realism after criticising aristotle so severely for his handling of plato 
condescends to adopt his emendation of the doctrine of the ideas it very properly refuses to see in them eternalized duplicates patterns of the things of sense or any common property shared by things everything every quality and relation has its own universal and there are universals of unique and solitary things when clearly there can be none to share for the new realism white things do not partake of whiteness the relation is not and cannot be that of whole and part nor yet of possession as plato maintained whiteness is not white it is not the whiteness of white things it is the whiteness the universal ados of the whites now realism does well in thus improving on the platonic doctrine of ideas you might suppose from the important distinction that it makes that it regards the relation as something incomparably more subtle more intimate and more strong but as a matter of fact it does nothing of the kind it makes the distinction not that it may establish intimate relations which would argue a secret unity but that it may put asunder the reality of whiteness from the reality of white and bring pluralistic atomism into the world of the universals i think that in this it has defeated the ends of logic which are after all its own ends its failure is the monist's opportunity end of chapter six part three section two recording by expatriate in bangor maine